0: A black two-headed eagle is God, Even a black triangle is he. In his claws he beareth a sword, Yea, a sharp sword is held therein. This eagle is burnt up in the great fire, Yet not a feather is scorched. This eagle is swallowed up in the great sea, Yet not a feather is wetted. So flieth he in the air, And lighteth upon the earth at his pleasure. So spake Jacobus Burgundus Molensis, the Grand Master of the Temple, and of the god that is ass-headed did he dare not speak. Merry meet and welcome to episode 33 of Pennies in the Well. I am Saturn Dark Hope the Abysmal Witch, and I bring to you a spot of insanity and introspection for your listening delight. That was chapter 33, or page 33. Of the Book of Lies by Alistair Crowley, and that was the section on Baphomet. I figured there was probably a whole host of meaning behind the number 33, a plethora of numerology, fun facts that I could have researched for you and given out, and I did not. Instead, that's what you get. The book of lies. I am back. Your intrepid villain has once again escaped the evil claws and clenches and whatever and what have yous of the perils of regular life. Yes, I have been hounded. I have been swamped. I have been buried alive beneath mountains of paperwork and other things of which I will tell you a little bit. And then there will be a break, and then there will be a talk, and then there will be a break, and there will be more talking. For strangely you are listening to a podcast and there talking shall happen now I probably should mention that because I'm squeezing this in between this and between that which only has a little space between the is and the at there are things making noises in the background such as the dishwasher and there may be some cats and shit and there's not a heck of a lot I can do about that and still actually get this podcast out so there you be disclaimer disclaimer I like getting those in Oh my God, it's been a crazy-ass fucking couple of months. So um, I think last I left you, it was uh, in February. And yeah, that's what I have, it was February and I had started a new job and I can tell you that the new job progresses and has me utterly buried alive and I try not to think about it when I'm not at work because when I'm at work there's more than enough to think about at some point I'll catch up to my own tail, and at that point I will be a much much happier working camper but until then I simply go with it's a great experience and just a wee bit stressful and I do not talk of it when I am not there uh let's see that was interesting stuff number one interesting stuff number two so actually, one we'll go with 1.8. Interesting item number 1.8 was that Holly and I went off to Mexico for my 40th birthday party trip, which of course happened when I was about to turn 41 due to last year's injury. And we had the most amazing, fabulous, wonderful, crazy-ass fucking time. And we will talk to you about that on a different episode because I have to coordinate with her and, and uh, talk about some of the really interesting things you can do magically while traveling, as well as some of the stuff we learned, because, um, hello, we were in the Mayan Riviera, so of course we went to Chinchinitsa and we went to Tulum, and she went to Koba. These are three sets of Mayan ruins. Lucky bitch, somebody was a little too hungover to make it that day, and we drank the same amount. It was so unfair. The universe took hand in that particular moment, sneaky goddamn universe, and I missed Koba. The only ruins that you can actually still walk on. Not that I'm bitter. No, not bitter at all. So item of note number 2.0, uh, is actually on a coven front. Um, part of our trip had us kind of reevaluating how we were viewing things and doing things. And when we came back, um, we actually talked to some people that we know, but hadn't actually considered in that way. And, uh, Life changed, and now there's five of us instead of two of us, and we're having a fucking awesome time with it. Uh, just really great peeps and having the chance to work with them is fabulous. Item numero tres. That would be "dry" or ichi-san. Hmm. I did karate for a while, so I can count to like 10 in Japanese. Anyway, the third item is, what what is the third item? Oh, that's right, Um, there's a man in my life. So, between the working too many hours and completely stressed and exhausted by it, and then on top of that, there's, you know, the, these changes in my spiritual life, and, the, you know, you build relationships when you add people to a coven, and so that takes time, and so there's been time going to that, you know, because I, I, you know, wasn't doing enough already. I, apparently, I decided that adding a uh, <clears throat> new romantic element to my life was the perfectly logical thing to do at exactly the same time as everything else. Because that makes sense. And that's why you have not heard from me for a couple of months because I have been buried alive in my own joyous insanity. But apparently I'm getting a bit used to what's going on. I'm getting a bit more under control, all that kind of fun, good stuff, because look at this, I'm making a podcast. Ooh, baby. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to take a break because that is the short form of catch-up that I have going for you. And I'm not going to do a little mini section here at the beginning. And yeah, break, music, and then we'll be back and we'll be talking. But cool shit. Why? Because we can and it makes it more fun. And just before I go, I do want to say that I have truly missed you. I have missed being able to share and to connect with, even though it's mostly a one-way connection, there's still a feeling of connection for me, and I have missed you. So it is good to, to talk again. Oh, yay. Okay.
1: From the darkness, day is dawning. In my darkest hour, I seek the light all my pain and all my sorrow may it ease with this new day may my tears remain uncounted and i bid the goddess be my guide for where you lead You know I'll follow At the dawning of this new day At this crossroad the way seems clouded And I bid the goddess be my guide Grant me grace and grant me vision at the dawning of this new day May my strength and may my power Lift me up and light my way I seek faith and I seek wisdom At the dawning of this new day At the dawning of this new day, at the dawning of this new day, as
2: we trace the patterns of life, as we move through the dark and light of existence, we find the four elements that comprise all of nature. As the goddess reaches down and gathers the sacred clay of life that shall become our bodies, she pours her blood into the clay, the water of life, and mixes it. She shapes us into being, We become the beauty of the human form, reflecting the beauty of herself. She pulls us unto her, and breathes into us the air of creation. We begin to breathe, and our blood, her blood, rushes through our veins, cold yet. To this, she summons the eternal fires of desire and passion from her spirit. We are placed inside this golden red flame, and it becomes part of us. We become the elements, the energy of the universe, the stars that celestial brilliance, for we are Stardust, the essence of Goddess.
0: That was Kelliana with This New Day, followed by Michelle Mays and Creation. It seemed appropriate to do something about uh, things starting, since I feel like I'm restarting a little bit, kind of, well, picking up right where I left off, but still it was too long of, of a break because it wasn't even a break. It wasn't planned. It just life happened and life does happen. It's funny how that goes. So the main topic I want to talk about today is actually from a workshop that I did at work on Thursday called I Can Fix That with a chick, uh, Elaine Allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N. Um, it's really all about dealing with the world Uh, from a positive perspective of changing how you interact by changing how you view things. So really taking control of your own happiness and your own joy and your own feeling of satisfaction by taking control of your mind, mental state, yourself, all that kind of wonderful stuff. And yes, I've been taking... (laughs) courses and teaching courses and shit like that at work while I'm overly busy because I don't know, I'm crazy that way. So the one thing that I want to talk about or use as a leaping point for today's discussion is, she had these cute little sayings interspersed here and there, and this one was, flip your bee, not the bird. And what she was talking about was that when shit happens, there are three components to shit happening. There's the actual event, so the actual shit, there is your belief about the event, and then there's your reaction from about the event. Your reaction is born out of the actual event itself, of course, you wouldn't have a reaction if that something didn't happen, but also your beliefs around the event. So, let me see if I can come up with an example that isn't one of hers because, you know, hmm, they were hers. So, if somebody cuts you off in traffic, that's an event, your belief about them will determine your reaction. If you believe that uh, there's a pregnant woman in the car and they're trying to get her to the hospital, you know, because there's complications and the baby could die, your reaction is going to be very different than if you believe it's because the person is a idiot or an asshole who simply can't be bothered to wait their own proper turn and do what everybody else does. So that's what is meant by the belief part. You have a belief about what happened and that belief totally determines what your reaction is going to be. So if you want to change how you're reacting to something, clearly you cannot change the event. Events are things that we typically do not have any control over, so if you can't change the event. And you can't directly change the reaction, which is what a lot of things try and tell you to do, right? Just, oh, change how you feel about that. Well, as, as we all know, changing our feelings from a conscious, logical thinking perspective is essentially impossible. You cannot change how you feel by telling yourself to feel differently the only way that your brain is useful when it comes to changing how you feel is for actually sitting down and going, okay, why the hell do I feel like this? And, and probing at it and plucking at it until you go, oh, that's why I feel like X when Y happens. Oh, and once you understand why you have the the feeling that you do, then you can change it, right? Once you understand what your belief is, Around something, you can change it. As she likes to say, flipping your belief. So switching it from a a negative to a positive. Negative, positive, positive, negative, don't really care. But the point is that you can change how you react to things by changing the belief that underlies your reaction. She talked a lot about stupid people at that point and that um, instead of seeing yourself, believing yourself to be superior, because when something happens somebody does something and you believe yourself to be superior reaction is holy crap what a stupid person fuck them so to take that from a take out move away from a belief that you are superior to a place of looking out what could be going on for the other person so there was a lot of really empathizing in behind what she was talking about too and going outside of yourself and really being the adult in situations, because let's face it, if you're not the adult, who's going to be? It's something that drives me absolutely fucking nuts. I hate being the adult all the time. You know, I was talking with my coworker today about how, oh my God, how wonderful it would be to have a day without consequences. A day where absolutely no no opinion mattered, no consequence mattered. There's no responsibility for anything, so I could go through the day and say any shit I want and not worry about hurting someone's feelings. To make any action and screw the consequences, not think about it at all. I could do anything I wanted. You know, I guess that's kind of like being a sociopath for a day, but still, it sounds really satisfying to not have to worry about it, to not have to be the adult. I get tired of being the adult, because I look around at me, at people who are my age, some are older, some are younger, and going, Really? Really? You you couldn't be the adult in this situation too? Truly. So, I'm going to have to be the mature one and I'm going to have to suck it up because you're too much of a whiny ass brat in order to pull up your share. Oh, apparently this is a snark button for me. Yes. Yes, I do have them. And they happen. So that is my snark about that is that I really wish more people would be the adult. And a lot of what I share here, of course, on pennies is about being a better adult, about being, about being the more mature one, about giving yourself a little bit maybe of the right to feel superior in a situation because you are being the adult. <sighs> right. So one of the ways that you can do that is by changing how you react to things To because we don't always like the way we react. You know, other things that uh, if something particular thing happens, I react in a really, what I will call negative for me way. You know, it's a reaction I don't care for. If I get um, freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. So in other words, fine about something. If I go, and please don't shoot me for this, but I'm going to say girly. I love being a girl. I really do. I love being feminine. Not all the time, I will admit, but where I embrace my girl, I embrace her wholeheartedly, I use the word girl in many positive ways. My, my Chinook kitty, she's my baby girl and I love her to pieces. But, I think we all know about the whole being a girl thing. And that is said with a different connotation. It's not the, you know, fabulous girl, the great girl, the wonderful girl, it's the neurotic girl. It's the one who who goes into the land of let us over, not only overthink something, but overfeel something until it has become an entire miasma of insanity that simply spews out on people around us because the girl took over and it's all about the emotion. Which amusingly, I was talking to my man about this at one point because um, I think I was apologizing for having a girly moment. And uh, I was wondering what the male equivalent was. And he looked at me and went, dumbass. Periodically, we're just dumbasses. That, that's our guy coming out. I'm like, okay. So when they're being, they're being a boy, they're being a dumbass. When we're being a girl, well, we're probably being neurotic. And you notice it's an entire phrase, being, being a girl. So that's my justification for using the phrase, because I'm not going to apologize for something that isn't a total denouncement of the word or our gender or anything else it is acknowledging that we're not perfect and that it, uh, <clears throat> our gender comes through in a particular way when it comes to certain things anyhow so there are reactions that I have that fall into for me being a girl category and I don't like that and I can't actually change those reactions You know, it isn't possible for me to go, oh, look, I'm being a girl. I'm going to change that. Not typically in the moment, but I'm getting better at it. The easier, better, more long lasting and effective way to change those reactions is to figure out what the belief is. So when something happens, you know, when, classic, when the boy doesn't call, what is the belief that drives my emotional reaction? Is it a belief that, oh, woe is me, he doesn't care for me, he's not interested, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, he's never going to call, I must have done something wrong, how could I have done that and screwed it up, or is the belief that, oh, you know, could have gone out to pub after work with buddies, you know, probably hear from him later, maybe hear from him tomorrow, it's all good. The belief of, <laughs> you notice the second one actually had less to do with me and more to do with his own world, and and therefore became a little less self-centered, so maybe there's also a component of this, of moving away from a completely self-centered viewpoint in the belief, um, honestly, I don't know, but the point is to look at the belief that drives that reaction, in that case, the reaction was all about the guy I'm interested in not being interested in me, right, that's the fear, a fear is also a belief, oh, that sounded profound, didn't it? So something else I wanted to talk about when it comes to beliefs and reactions is that, um, you know, our, our beliefs are also based upon our previous experiences. So we don't just come out of, with a belief out of a vacuum. We inherit beliefs, inherit beliefs from our family. We acquire them from our friends. Mostly we build them up after that initial basis that we get from our family of origin, after that, we build them up by our experiences and (laughs) a funny thing about experiences, experiences are also event-based. They are the event and (laughs) how we react to them from this, we build a new belief, right? So the experience itself is more driven by the event. But there's still, there's still our own component of it. How we experience the event is, is that component. So, I don't know. Fire alarm in the building. You could experience it, take it as an experience of, you know, extremely frustrating and inconvenient because you were in the midst of doing something and have to run outside you could experience it as a really cool opportunity to meet a really handsome fireman this happened to a co-worker of mine over the weekend so how we experience something is based upon what we see in that event right how we perceive that event how we perceive that event in relation to ourselves These perceptions are colored by our previous experiences and by our previous beliefs. These perceptions go into forming new beliefs about the world. Because our beliefs don't suddenly pop out of nowhere. Okay, sure, if someone gives you a really fabulous logical argument, we may go, hey, I buy that. And our worldview shifts a little and we acquire either a change to our own belief or a new belief. But this is typically not how it goes. Typically, we build it up from experience later on experience. The unfortunate part is, as I said, there is this perceptual component, and we are more likely to perceive things in alignment with our current beliefs rather than changing, being willing to change our beliefs in accordance with what we are actually experiencing. That makes sense? So in other words, um... When something happens, we will look for meaning in it that most closely ties in to our expectations rather than going purely off of what is happening itself and judging it on its own merits. We so rarely do that. We judge based upon our own colored view of the world. And there's nothing wrong with that. It should be noted that's how we live. That's how we all live. And to live in a completely dispassionate, uh, uninfluenced worldview would be, I think, a form of insanity. It would be so disconnected from everything that matters. Because, damn it, we should be judging and reacting and experiencing and perceiving in ways true to our nature. The important part is to realize that we can change it. Right. If you're stuck in the land of blah, if you're stuck in the land of ugh, if you're like stuck in the land of <coughs> you can change it. You don't have to live there. We can't always change our circumstances. Sometimes when the circumstances get really bad, um, when you can't ignore it anymore, when you can't change it. Well, actually, what she said, uh, this lovely lady, that in two percent of the cases you can't actually you know, alter the event enough to make it better. So it came down to you can change something, you can accept it, or you can leave it. And there are points when you're in a situation where the the healthy option really is to leave it and that's perfectly good too but mostly what we're talking about right now are circumstances where you don't want to leave it you know you don't necessarily want to leave your job or you don't want to quit or you don't want to move or you don't want to end a relationship there are a lot of things that we want to continue on with that involve other people or even how we deal with ourselves and we need a different way to handle it so that we don't drive ourselves up a freaking wall and down the fire escape so this is a way to do it is to stop Probably after you have a reaction to something and go, okay, this, this thing just happened. Cat just puked on my floor. My belief is that they are doing it to me deliberately because the fucking tile floor was only four inches away and he was actually on the tile floor and then he moved over to the carpet before he actually hoogied up. If I have a belief, and it doesn't have to be a rational belief here, please know that Belief does not have to be rational, it just has to be believed, it has to be what we hold as true in our psyche. So if I believe that he's doing it to me deliberately, the goddamn little bastard, obviously my reaction is going to be on the um, less than pleased side. That being said, if my belief is just that, oh, the poor little guy really, you know, unhappy world and carpet's more comfortable than tile and so he's just trying to make himself feel better while he's doing it and I have My reaction goes down to the land of, you know, at least quasi compassionate because I still have to clean it. So there's only so compassionate I'm going to be because, oh my God, if it was on the tile, it'd be so much easier. But you see there the difference of the belief. It's the belief that drives the reaction. And so when you are faced with something and your reaction is out of control, making you miserable or the people around you miserable, and you want to change it, don't change the event. Don't try and change the reaction. You're going to fail. Find your belief and flip it. Flip your bee, not the bird. And that is the end of this section. I hope that you have enjoyed it. I'm going to take a little break, discover what this particular episode has been brought to us by, a little promo I think shall be in order, and then we are going to come back and we're going to talk about passion. That's right, passion. Episode 33 of Pennies in the Well is brought to you by the tarot card, the Ten of Wands, and the Rune Stone. What do we got? Ah, mead.
3: Interesting. Enhance your meditation practice with Baphometis Meditation Baphometis is a meditation podcast Grounded in the Western Esoteric Tradition A series for seekers of divine wisdom Hosted by me, Chris Oropello From the Infinite and the Beyond Podcast Baphometis Meditation is a tool, a resource And it is made available for you to use and aid you on your path It is mostly non-chronological So listen to whichever session appeals to you Meditation topics are mostly geared towards those interested in Thelema, paganism, occultism, consciousness, magic, western esotericism, as well as self-awareness and self-knowledge, with some ambient music thrown in on occasion. Along with a variety of silent meditations, our music meditations feature some of the best ambient composers found online, and future sessions will include chant, mantra, interactive work, Spells, divination, contemplation, introspection, and even guided meditations. So if you're looking to meditate, check out Baphometis Meditation on iTunes, or visit the show website at www.baphometis.com. That's B-A-P-H-M-E-T-I-S.com. So join me over at Baphometis Meditation, and unite yourself with wisdom.
0: In case you didn't catch that, the promo was for Baff Bettis Meditation with Chris Oropello. Uh, I I really enjoy anything that Chris does. He, fabulous. Fabulous. If you haven't checked out The Infinite and The Beyond, I highly recommend that too. And uh, I guess it's time to head into that last segment. Wow. I, I'm being very speedy today. Mind you, better speedy and short than not done at all because it has been way too fucking long since I got to hang out with you guys. Right. So, passion. Ah, passion. Passion is a glorious thing. You know what I have seen in the last week and a half that, well, pretty much put me on this topic? First, there was the bird flying with a little branch in his mouth. Then came the little bird, I think it was a crow actually, with a really big ass fucking branch in his mouth to the point where you're like, wow, he's having difficulty flying. He is determined to build himself a you know penthouse kind of condo here and then uh i was driving down by uh rec beach which is at the university of british columbia in british columbia it's also our only nude beach and that has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with this commentary i simply was driving down there and a bald eagle and there's a bunch of them that nest in that area came swooping overhead with oh now that that was a branch in his mouth. Oh yeah, I was impressed by the size of that thing. Maybe that was the bird's point, was to be impressive in the size of his branch. Yeah, that's it. It is spring, and it is Beltane around the corner, and trees are budding, the cherry blossoms are blooming, birds are building nests, animals are getting a little weirder than usual, and we shall never speak of my cat Mason and his thing... his... (coughs) for fuzzy um, objects because it's not okay, it's just not okay, no cat should ever love fuzzy that much. So I was checking this out and thinking, uh, you know, how passion drives us, how passion rules us, how passion fuels us, which is a much better option necessarily than driving us. But you know, in a sense it should drive us, but it should drive us in a way that we choose to be driven. It should fuel us in a way that makes us feel great. Another thing that this lovely lady talked about, um, at her workshop, Elaine Allison, was about passion in a sense. I mean, that's not what she was describing per se, but for her, it's a matter of how you get the most out of, um, The most out of what you do, the most out of life, the most important thing that you can do for yourself is to contribute. To do something where you feel that you make a true and real contribution. Whether it is a contribution of, you know, where you look at it and go, I'm saving the world. It doesn't have to be saving the world. It just has to be where you feel that you are contributing to something positive. Where you feel that you make to something, somewhere, somehow, you make a difference. If you do that, you live life that way, then then passion starts to rule what it is that you do. It is such a great and lovely and healthy way to live. I know I'm pausing there because part of me is going, um, you know, what more can I say about it? It's passion. Go live your passion. What else could you possibly want to do but live your passion? I don't know. There's got to be something. Um, But we don't. Too often we do the easy thing, right? There was a post on Facebook not that long ago. And, you know, one of those picture things, quotey things. And yes, I very much fall victim to sharing that kind of stuff. And if you want to see a bunch of that kind of shared stuff, A, follow George Takai from Star Trek. Because, oh my God, that man shares funny shit. Love his stuff. To, truly go follow follow him follow george takei uh too, you can follow me or join me or friend me that would be it's facebook your friend on facebook and i'm on there of course as saturn dark hope you can also find me on twitter as abysmal underscore witch and you can find me at abysmal dot com Obviously, the one word part wasn't part of the address. And while I'm at it, you can email me at penniesinthewell at gmail.com. Oh, look at that. I managed to plug all of my various and assorted places all at once. I'm kind of proud of that. Anyhow, on this Facebook post, it said, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. A quote from H Thurman. So think about that. It's not about what the world needs, right? It's not even in some ways about, it's not about what the people around you need. That may play a part. It may determine how you feel about doing certain things, but it isn't what matters most. What matters most is what makes you come alive, what you feel passionate about, what stirs up the energy inside of you, what makes your Kundalini flow, and know that doesn't have to be dirty. And what what gets you up in the morning and happy to be up in the morning if you're not a morning person or happy to stay up late working on something if you're not a night person? What is it? Where's your juice? That's what my coworker says all the time. Where do you get your juice? What gives you juice? What fuels you? What powers you? These are all different words that say the same thing. They talk about that spontaneous building of joyous energy inside of you because you're doing something that feels so fucking right because it's what you truly want to do it's what your will with a capital w is driving you to do you're doing the right thing and it feels grand right if you do what you love they say the money will follow well you know what the money doesn't always follow or at least it doesn't follow in an amount that is always workable and you have to make compromises and choices and all that kind of shit and you may make other choices because money and a lifestyle are more important to you and and that's fine I have no issue with that. What I would say though is find find that place, find your joy, your juice, your passion, your love, your bliss. Find it and do it. You know, maybe you're doing it in your off hours. Who cares? Who cares if it only gets you get it for an hour a day? At least you get it for an hour a day. Do that. Find it, do it. And in your work, find something that makes you feel like you do contribute something important that you actually have something to, not just that you have something to offer, that you are offering it, that it's happening. Maybe just even stop and recognize that there is something that you get out of your job that makes it worthwhile to get up in the morning and not hate where you're headed off to. Find your passion in life. And if you really want to go looking on a magical level, now it's probably a good season to do it because everything is about passion right now. It's about seeking connection and joy in ways that will bring the fertility you know, we haven't truly, we're in the start of fertility. We're not in the results of it. We're in the creation of it. Well, if I can create your own passion and creativity, stir up the cauldron, see what comes to the surface, dig deep inside yourself and go, what is it that I want? What is it that I want to do this year for me in and amongst all the other crazy things that are going on that, you know, honestly, I have waited Well, in some ways, you know, the coven has waited a decade because we just had our 10th anniversary this year for growth, right? We started with four people and then we were three and then we were two and now we're five. We've waited a decade, you know, not consciously and in many ways quite deliberately. We chose not to to grow for most of that time, but uh, we didn't have it. So now we've grown in that and that is awesome. And, you know, I finally accepted growth at work. And there's passion there and, ah, it's, it's got its own frustrations. Absolutely. But it's certainly more entertaining than what I've been for a long time. And, but that, that one's more of a side note, really the, the new people in the coven and new man in life, these two things, they both have aspects of something that I have longed for, for a very long time. And, you know, regardless of how things turn out you know, long term. I'm not talking these are, you know, guaranteed forever love or anything like that on either front. But there's definite caring and joy right now and I'm blessed to have that opportunity and to to have that passion in my life in places where I always wanted it. I'm such a hopeless hopeless, hopeful I'm gonna go with hopeful, romantic. But I didn't necessarily truly believe That it was going to ever happen where i would actually have connections with people and this is irrespective of of what type of connection but connections with people that are deep and strong i made new friends this year okay In, in both cases they're actually essentially new friends and close friends and the connections are wonderful and that is something that i am passionate about and and it has driven my passion i'm also passionate about sharing My insights with the world, and thus we are here and you're listening and I am talking and it's a crazy, lovely, glorious duet that we have going. Anyway, I'm starting to ramble, which is a clear and utter sign that it is time to back away from the microphone, put an end to this particular segment and move on. It's not a long statement because it's not overly complicated, maybe a little harder to apply, but not complicated to talk about. We know what we're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Finding where you contribute, finding where your passion is, finding where your juice is, what makes you get up in the morning, where, where is your joy? Find your bliss, embrace your bliss. Because really, why the fuck not? Why wouldn't you want to live in the land of bliss? Why wouldn't you want to have that whenever you can at all times? So that is going to be that. And it's only like a 40 minute show, which is a little spooky. Well, okay, it'll be closer to like, well, 45 to 50 by the time I'm truly done and the music is done playing. Because you know I'm going to take you out with a song. Uh, I've missed you. I am so glad to be able to do this. I hope that it will not be nearly so long again before you hear from me. Oh, housekeeping details. So, uh, I've mentioned before, I will mention again that the Pagan Podkin Supermoot number three is happening this year. It's in October. I don't have the precise dates, but I do believe it's at paganpodkin.com. And, uh, I will be there, so if you wanted to meet me, you could meet me in San Francisco. There's probably a song about San Francisco. I also have this glorious, wonderful, fabulous uh, book called Etched Offerings, Voices from the Cauldron of Story, which is put out by Misanthrope Press, and it is an anthology of pagan stories that I am in, as is Araya Sphinx. Oh, she changed her name. Araya Helene. Sneaky woman. See, I haven't been paying enough attention lately. From Between the Earth and Stars. And Corey Hutchison. From New World Witchery. Has a story in there as well. And I know I'm forgetting somebody. And I'm terribly sorry. But anyway. You got a bunch of pagan podcasters in this book. And I have this book to give away. And what I am asking for. Is one of two things. And I'm going to set the date on this. Because right now we're middle of April. So May. I am going to make it as a summer solstice gift. To somebody. So... I want one of two things. Either leave a comment on iTunes. So you have to rate Pennies in the Well on iTunes and leave a comment on that. Uh, and then email me at penniesinthewell@gmail.com at gmail.com to tell me that you have done so. And that will get you into the contest to get the book. Or email me once again at penniesinthewell@gmail.com. gmail.com. I wonder if I could say that faster. penniesinthewell@gmail.com. gmail.com. That's pretty fucking fast, I think. Probably unintelligible, but fast. So email me there and tell me what passion you are growing or have found or discovered or, you know, chasing or any word of an embracing type nature. So tell me of the passion that is arising in you now that you are fulfilling now, um, as we head through Beltane, from Beltane through to Summer Solstice, to Litha. So either one, or both if you really wanted to, of those two things. And admittedly, if you tell me about the Passion, um, I would strip personal details from it, but I may well share that on the next podcast episode. So that would be really awesome. I would love to hear what drives you when it comes particularly to your spirituality. And the interesting thing is, of course, that spirituality is driven by so much more than simply spirit. So, so many things you could tell me about that gets you an entry. Heck, actually, you know what? If you do both, you leave comment and you tell me about your passion, I will put your entry in twice. So you'd have a double the shot of winning that particular book, which is a pretty awesome book, I have to say. And uh, I will tell you now... Hmm. Well, I'll save the other passion for later, but I will tell you uh, a fun little thing I've got going on for 2012 and it's something I'm actually blogging about at abysmalwitch.com or will be starting to because I'm I'm only just coming back to the life here, I swear. And that is that I realized uh, several months into this year that apparently 2012 for me is the year of uh, live performances of various strange and assorted natures. And it has been already quite the trip. Um, And my quest now is for 2012 is to make it through each month with at least one somehow live performance in it. What precisely that performance is can vary dramatically. It already has, but there has to be at least one. There can be more than one, but at least one. So that is the a passion that I have going on for this year and uh, I will be sharing that on the blog more so than here oh, and my passion too is about sharing with you as I've already said and it is glorious to do so I have missed you so I'm going to leave this episode with a song called Temple Gates by James Asher from his album Shaman Drums and of course all of these will be in the show notes on pennies in the and I hope you enjoy the music I hope that life has been treating you Gently, lovingly, or when it's kick your ass, at least I hope it actually felt good in the end. Blessings of the deep and wild to you. Blessed be.